All right, we're back. We do not have a guest this week. We got everyone on, though. Should be fun. I have a fun one we might do this weekend. Might be a good time, and it's always a good argument. Um, ironically, with Joey's new fiance. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to, if you want to catch me not arguing with a lawyer, we can all do that on Sunday if you guys are interested. That'd be fun. I might be down. I'll be out of town. That's yeah. okay. Drunk Chelsea. Oh, that's true. You guys are gonna see each other. That'll be fun, though. That'll be really. I'm kind of jealous. I miss. Make the drive. Not this weekend. No chance. Though I do miss South Florida a lot. I feel like everyone I meet up here is like, "Oh yeah, I just lived in South Florida, and then I moved up here." And I was like, "Why'd you leave?" I was like, "I love being down there. Everyone loves being down there. It's incredible." John, if you want to move down here, I'm looking for a roommate. I am. Bunk beds? Bunk beds. Bunk beds. Dibs. That would be great. I don't know. I'm pretty clean. My standards are pretty high. All right. I said that. I know. You... I'm offended. I'm incredibly offended. This is, this is audio only, but I said that just to see what your face would look like. It works. It works spot on. No, no. It's... So... I have kind of a weird take on that, though, because Miami is Miami, and I know Chelsea will have opinions on this, hopefully. Miami's the new Silicon Valley. It's been said before, and I think it's absolutely happening. It feels like every tech company I ever run into is like, oh, yeah, we're based in South Florida. I say, where in South Florida? They say, Miami. That is South Florida. I said, no, it's not, but okay. It's technically South Florida. It is. It's literally South Florida. Well, well, all right. So what I'm saying is that it's not the entirety of South Florida. Everyone says, like, Miami's the only South Florida. Everything else is north or central. People consider Tampa to be north Florida, which is strange to me. Well, that is North Florida. That what, Matt? That's USF at Tampa, though. Yeah, it's that University of South Florida. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, it's central. It's central coastal it's Florida. I think you're right. But technically, Florida is Orlando. Yeah. Right? And the Hobart yeah. towns that are all in the middle of it. Yeah. And it's just like, like Yeehaw Junction. Yeehaw Junction. I 4 West and you hit Tampa. Yeah. Directly. Yeah. No, I agree. So it's Well, it's kind of fun because Orlando is just like the center of the Southern universe now. I was down there a couple weeks ago to see you, Matthew. And. Every time I'm down there, it gets worse and worse and worse. And the last time I went to Fort Myers a couple months ago, my phone told me, whatever you do, don't take I-4. And I said, I disagree. I'm going to take I-4 and go around Orlando like I always do. And as I got closer, it kept it started yelling at me louder and louder. It was like, no, like don't do this. Don't make this mistake. Please, we will take control of your car. Like Don't do this. And then you get and you look at the I-4 intersection. You're like, oh, oh, it's backed up for a mile. <laughs> so I drove all the way down to Port St. Lucie. And went across the state. <laughs> it was Wait, a wild so as shit. To get to Fort Myers, you go 95 across I-4 and then down 75? Usually, yeah. That is a terrible decision. What do you do? Why yeah. You do that? Why? It works great. Used to. doesn't work great anymore. You zigzag through rural Florida down by Gainesville. And then you make it to 75, and then you just run 75 the whole way. You do not take I-4 across. There's always that a lot of cops. Five, that makes an hour and a half, or a five and a half hour trip, like seven or eight hours, because you're taking I-4. It didn't used to, but everything used to be smaller, like six years ago. It wasn't even that much. Trip 
used to not be this bad. I don't think it's even during peak season. It was never this bad. No, well, it never was. And we just have so many people moving here. So we track the statistics for a lot of this. And I think it's something like 70 or 80 million people visit Orlando a year. It's something crazy, which amounts to, I don't know what that is divided by 365. Let me do it based on 75 million. Yeah, it's over 200,000 people a day come through the city, which kind of makes sense, to be honest with you. But, well, Disney. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's self-explanatory. It just is what it is. But we always like to ask, like, the people who live there, it's kind of nuts because you're dealing with toll roads the entire time, no matter what you do. Like, there's no way around it. And I think it sounds A lot like of people that lived in Orlando, like, I know a lot of people that went to school there, but. I remember it was the worst when I first started dating Erica that. I would go visit her in Orlando from Jacksonville for the summers and that type of thing. And I didn't have sun pass to start off with. Oh, deadly. I would, I would run up like $30, $40 in tolls. Deadly. Just driving around. It's terrible. You can't do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Why do I have a sun pass? Everyone says... Which is, go ahead. Sun pass is so dumb. All it is is a responder that it takes, uh, that it recognizes, and then it sends an electronic bill to you. You pay the same amount. It's not discounted or anything. Why they don't just yeah, do the is. damn? Yeah, it is. I thought it was the same price. Never. No. Okay. Well, regardless, I don't understand why we don't be told by plate <laughs> on everything. Damn. Well, you. <laughs> so I have a SunPass account, but I don't have a SunPass sticker on this card, so I get told by plate. But because I have a SunPass account with my car registered on it, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. I'm one of those like big ancient things where the suction cups don't even work anymore. So whenever I come up on a thing, I just pull it out and stick it on my dash. <laughs> oh, I have like the the sticker. Yeah, yeah. the sticker's probably okay. the way to go. It's you kind... have the you have the old model. I am, I am I'm classic is what I am. I'm original. Original and classic. Very nice words oh, wow. for old as shit. I was gonna say um, the term is outdated. Outdated as hell, absolutely. It's so funny because like every, all these people are trying to solve the automated car thing and i was like we've already screwed our transportation system so far there's no going back there's absolutely no way to make this work like how would you just gotta build a new gotta wait for a new city and start with it that way the infrastructure has to be built in place it has to be planned for when the civil engineers are planning out the city and zoning everything it's impossible to put one on top of the existing Road yeah, cars were invented just a little over 100 years ago, so I mean it's really not that far. 150 it was like 1880, something like that. Mercedes. I guess something like. I mean, that. it would work if we did Elon Musk's like underground tunnels with the Boring Company and all, like super expensive, but it worked. But you can't do that in Florida. You can't do that in Florida. We have nothing but limestone and seawater. Yeah, yeah we're below sea level. So that ain't I, work. I would love to drive with like fishes around me that would be really cool um if they want to do that <clears throat> i'm down maybe we that can, would uh... give me intense anxiety yeah i don't even the one tunnel in miami to get to the cruise port we go underwater even though it's concrete still stresses me out feels like bioshock you ever play bioshock 
-hmm. Yeah, that was an old game. It was based silver. Chelsea, have you? Mm -mm. Silver has. Yeah. So Chelsea, for your benefit, the the concept of Bioshock was that there was this crazy American entrepreneur billionaire who was like, wow, everyone has this wrong. I've got so much money and so much power from my industry that I've created. I'm going to build a city at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean. And he does. And it works. And it goes great. And at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean, they find this animal, this like slug thing that has some weird primordial DNA that the scientists start messing with it. And it allows you to mix up and change your genes and get all these really cool powers. It sounds like a great book. I wish it was a book. And then they don't realize that it makes you go a little insane after a while if you keep using it because it's like an addictive drug. So the city falls apart and everyone goes nuts and gets mutated and crazy. But every time I'm in an aquarium looking around like you're in one of those tunnels, it always feels like Bioshock. I'm like, oh, this is creepy. Bottom of the ocean, surrounded by a bunch of weirdos. I personally, as much as the idea is cool, I personally also don't like going through the tunnel. No. It would be, it would be like... It would be nice if I had trust and that sort of thing. Like, I would rather almost, I would probably be more comfortable if I could see it. The concrete scares me, I think, but maybe if it was glass and I could, like, see it, I wouldn't be so freaked out. Remember that bridge that, I can't remember when it was. I think it was the early, I think it was the early 1900s. It was some gigantic bridge where it wasn't properly built. So it just started moving, and then it just kept moving more and more and more and more, and then it eventually just basically collapsed and fell apart. Yeah. Talking about the skyway, it might have been. I can't remember, but that was it when was I. Called, Go ahead, Matt. It was called Galloping Gertie. <laughs> Galloping Gertie, that's terrible. I 100 percent guarantee you, it's the bridge called Galloping Gertie. If you look it up right now, that was the bridge. It wasn't accounting for the vibrations that the wind would cause, and it caused uh, a waveform in the bridge as a result of the wind, and it failed. Where was the bridge? Um. <clears throat> Chelsea's on it. Uh, Jamie. Jay. Tacoma, Washington. Oh. Yeah. It would be fun to drive over a bridge that was like this, though. I don't There's think it would be fun. Videos of it. Was there? That looks terrifying. Yeah, it looks, I remember the videos. It was awful. Am I crazy in thinking that, this, that the original Skyway Bridge was like that, too? Like something happened? The Skyway, the Tampa Bridge? Yeah. I've never driven it. Um, I have. It's really cool. So modern I've engineering. I drive is... the California bridges for the first time. All three of them. The California's traffic is. Actually, it wasn't bad, like at all. And we drove from um, where did we drive from? Like Sacramento to San Francisco. Mm. Yeah. Because they all moved to Florida. I'm not gonna lie, it was really nice over there. It was just cold. I've heard. I've, I don't know yeah. a single person that has said the climate in California is a bad thing. It's just the people. But I've also never been, so I can't talk. And the taxes. I spent a lot of time there. I think all the people were very nice. We had a great experience. Good. Where all did you go? How long were you there? Um, so my job required me to go to California and like visit five dealers. So I went from San Diego to Sacramento to the Wine Valley to San Francisco. Cool. 
and um, it was fun. I honestly, the Wine Valley was my favorite place. There was this little old man at this little wine place, and we walked in, and he was so sweet that we were like, "Yeah, we're we're staying here forever." It's so good. In the wine we got valley. like eight glasses of wine because it was a testing thing, like a testing sample, and every single wine that man had a story, like a whole background story and i was like this is amazing sir thank you we left him like a 20 dollar tip wine people are Each. really really into <laughs> i love it. that man <laughs> it was just cool because all of the wine that we were drinking was literally grown like right there yeah so i was like this is fun i feel valley. so bougie that's kind of interesting the deeper you dive into it the more i'm like wow this is all ridiculous like the the whole like france's wine culture is insane and they're so particular about it and you start to learn that they, a lot of them don't care if they even have a bad harvest. They just, they need to use a certain type of grape in order for it to be called a certain type of wine. Otherwise it has to be a blend. So they will, they will literally put out a bad product because they want to make sure that it gets the proper label for it. She's crazy to me. The beer people are just like, man, water and wheat, let's go true beer people can be so particular about like their ipas and their like you're right their i whatever apas I'm a, sours i love a good um, fancy hipster beer jamie would just like to let everyone know that silver was right and that the bridge in tampa collapsed in 1980 wow that's not that I far ago hmm. so 50 years letting y'all know uh, me and Matt were both right, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. Matt's usually right. Over. This is new for you, though. Hmm? What? John's throwing shade early on in this podcast. It's a long time left that she can still roast you. I'd be careful. I didn't say anything. I need another drink. Can we pause for a minute? I'm sorry. I know it's yeah. early. <laughs> no, John just wants to be drunk and make fun of me. I don't want to be drunk, but I don't, I don't want it to hurt as much whenever it comes. Got it. Okay, I'm pausing. All right, we're back started again. And so I don't, I don't disagree with you. We were, we're, we're talking about how I think that a lot of the things we do for mental illness are overprescribed, and we all have very different opinions on it, which is interesting to me. But I understand your point, which is you can't. I think this is your point. You can't speak to it if you've not gone through the process. So, I mean, you can speak on it because, like, everybody can, you can speak on how you feel, and all of you, that is valid, but I just think that you're generalizing a situation that, like, a, I just think that you aren't as educated on it as you, someone with your point of view should be. I just think that if you truly believe that we're way over-medicated um, over um, for our mental illnesses that you feel like you don't have or you might have what's the harm in going and talking to a therapist just to see oh, and i'm and definitely definitely undereducated about it there's no doubt which is why i'm reading the i'm reading the saving normal and i'm kind of diving into it i was talking to lou about it recently because i know it's funny she and i don't disagree on this at all but we have different perspectives because she exists in that environment in the, the psychiatric environment of which like the formal education side of it so our perspectives clash because I do not know what I'm talking about. I'm just trying to put, I'm assigning the logic that makes sense to me to, to, an, to an unknown variable that just 
doesn't make sense to me at all. See what I'm saying? Yeah, kind of. There's no malicious intent to it. I just, I'm... I know, I know you're not, I know. I think sometimes um, I have such strong opinions that you think that I'm upset at you when you don't agree with me, but that's definitely not the case. So. I don't, no, I... I try to take the case of a try to take the case of a mediator just like hey look i my goal is to get everyone's opinion out in the open and then at some point we'll come to the correct answer maybe possibly probably not because things are complicated yeah i feel you yeah but there's an interesting opinion the guy had he was like look life is supposed to be really stressful like there's no there's not been a time in life when it hasn't been the entire entire human existence has been starving fighting and running away from things that are trying to kill us and eat us this is the first time in human history where we've not had to do that i mean in rome briefly but they didn't that didn't last long and you saw what happened to them greece oh, maybe. God. i gotta stop i gotta stop this reference here this Why? is like what podcast number six where we've done we're not fighting tigers anymore john right. i know i get that we i get wired to fight tigers we adapt and evolve it's a shit take. It really is. I don't think so. I don't think so. We're fucked up because we're not fighting tires. No, it's really shitty. It's I don't, so bad. It's I don't, so many levels. <laughs> it's so bad. So like, I don't think that's... No, I don't think it's the cause of the problems. I don't. I've changed that opinion. I think it's... Okay. No, I think it's it's something that we're ingrained. I think it's something that's ingrained. It's not a cause. It's hey. not ingrained. We adapt. We overcome. Everything is plastic. It can mold and reform and do new things. That's why sure. there's so many issues when things happen to children because that's their most malleable point. Right. And it forms long-lasting things. It, it, nothing is, like, left. We're, we're not worried and anxious because we're not fighting tigers. No, it's no, no. It's not like we have that residual anxiety. Okay. We, we're anxious... <laughs> because we have an overactive sympathetic response to things that's just how it is or a hormone imbalance it's nothing we could do it's nothing other people can do some people have to be medicated some people can raw dog it there's varying levels it's all a spectrum but even if you go through it doesn't mean you understand it the same amount as the person next to you that has it they may have a whole different level so you can't really judge and say that oh you're just weak you should be able to do this on your own. We're overprescribing. We don't need these medications. That person may be having a really shitty fucking time sure. and should be medicated because it's going to change their fucking life. So hold on. What's an overact what's an overactive sympathetic response? I don't know what that means. So sympathetic response is your body's you refer to it as fight or flight. So there's the fight or flight is the body kind of does things. It speeds up your heart rate. It dilates your pupils. It does these things to prepare you for any sort of situation. You bring in more light so you can better see the environment, understand what's going around. The heart rate's going, pumping more blood and oxygen to things. Your body does this. It's dysregulated. There's not any reason for it, but your body decides to kick out these hormones that cause these things to occur for no really apparent reason. There may be a reason. You may have a panic disorder or a specific phobia. Like, if you're afraid of spiders, same thing happens Happens to me. Sure. If one of them jumped on me, I'm kicking into that. But some people, it just happens for no reason. It's totally random. So, like, it's not that we're not fighting tigers. It's that our body is messed up in some way or another. But everybody's messed up in some way or another. We're figuring that out more and more. That's why everything's a spectrum. We're prescribing so many different things. Is because so far we understand that when we have these things... There are medications we can give people, and it has a fairly rapid effect. Most medications start working in under two months. 
and they can feel a hell of a lot better. But the other option is you can go to therapy. They have all different types of therapy to help people to deal with these things. And it's fantastic. But it takes a lot longer time. It takes a lot more work on the patient's part. And it's very difficult to be able to discuss some very vulnerable and intense subjects. And even then, it may not be that effective. So we have to medicate people occasionally. It's what it is. And it's good for them. And it's the right thing to do. I often wonder one of the, sorry, go ahead, Silver. I was going to say, I agree. It's like being diabetic, like you need insulin. You know what I mean? To me, there's no difference if I have intense anxiety and I need something to balance me out versus if I'm diabetic and I need insulin. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's the same I agree thing with that too. It's I just like, like I, I have therapy, like I'm a therapist person. I've gone to therapy now, I think for a few years, like on and off. And then I have friends that have gone to therapy and they choose the medication route and like it works a lot better for them. Like if you need a pill, take the pill. The way I always describe it to patients is like if you had a broken arm, you're not going to raw dog that and not go to the ER, not go get a cast or whatever else. Anti-anxiety medications and therapy are going to the doctor and getting a cast or a splint or whatever else. You should go get it. There's, There's no reason that you shouldn't. I mean, if you need help, go get it. Our suicide rates are ridiculous in whatever field that you're in now and just the natural world. If it's gone to up, it's not good. Has and it there's gone something up? wrong with therapy. Yeah. A lot of people have a stigmatism to it, but at the end of the day, it's really just this kind of like third party person that you can just communicate with and run your mind through and you can be more honest with them because they don't have that relation to your real life if that makes sense yeah so even for people that are like oh i don't need therapy no but it's really cool sometimes to get that third perspective that maybe lowers your anxiety for something because their perspective made the sense that you needed for what's going on in your life yeah and i also think talking about things is like one of the best ways to heal and obviously it can be hard to talk about certain things but if you just don't talk about anything at all, never gonna feel better. So, well, yeah, like you, you got to work through everything. So, like, I know exercise is one of those things where if you're having a really shitty day, it's just such a. If you go and have an intense workout afterwards, or a walk in the mm-hmm. sunshine, or something, you are getting some mm-hmm. form of the negativity out just by pushing it out and working on it. But here's the thing. That's like a physical thing. Right. Sometimes that's not going to help. Well, people need obviously sometimes thing. it won't. <laughs> what, I'm, what I'm saying is that but it's a good first response, isn't it? It's a good first step to entirely... say it's not going to fix anything if you have a chemical imbalance. Sure, I understand yeah. that. But it's like you're setting yourself on a path for success. You're taking a step in the right direction, but it's not putting you on the path to success. It's not necessarily going to do anything. It might help. Yeah. That, and if it does, it's great but it's not guaranteed to. It's not like if you keep working out and keep eating healthy that all of a yeah. sudden your severe depression is going to go away in six months type thing. All right, I'm not or saying your that. your anxiety or your OCD. Yeah. Especially because, like, the times when I'm working out and I'm out in the I have the motivation to do that or when, I'm, when I feel better, when I'm mentally healthier. That doesn't help me when I, like, can't get out of bed. You know what I mean? Sure. Sure. I mean, I always take the perspective of just one step in the right direction ends up leading to another good step, doesn't it? I don't. It'll lead you to a therapist. 
Yeah. <laughs> or a psychiatrist or a psychologist. I'm not saying to avoid those things. I think you're, I think you're miss, I think you're misunderstanding my perspective on that and that's okay. It's fine. So we should, we should set a baseline of what we agree on that exercise, sunlight and positive social interaction are good for you. I think we should set that baseline right there. Can we agree on that? Generally, yes, those Great. things are good for you. Great. I'm not, I'm not I calling them a solution. I'm just saying, are they good for you? Sure, but they're not a solution. I didn't say, I just wanted to say, are they good for you? <laughs> Why do you guys want to disagree Wait, with me? The reason we're fighting with you on it is because like we are talking specifically about mental health. And while like those are good solutions for anything, whether I'm mentally doing well or not, like being social and getting out of the house would be good for me if I'm not if I'm not having, let's say I'm having a manic episode Sir. and I need to get out of the house to make myself feel better, fine, but it won't actually do anything for me. Like, ma like mania, I probably won't even remember three months from now. Well, I'm not, I'm not trying to prescribe it as a solution. I was, the only thing I was trying to say are, are those three things positive for a human? If that's what we were talking about, I'm gonna agree with you. Yeah, but that's, that's not what we were talking about. Okay, well, I was I was trying to turn, I was trying to change the direction and just say. Oh, new subject, new topic. Yeah, no, I, that's why I said yeah. not in the context of a solution to ingrained problems, just a total baseline flat, our sunshine, exercise, and positive social interaction, love and affection, good for you. I sure think so. Of course. If we can agree on that, we're good. That's we're good to go. We, that's what we really need to agree on. <laughs> I think we agree. We're I, not not agreeing. I think so too. I think so too. And then the past, the the rest of it can all just be per person. <laughs> I'm signing John Paul up for a therapist. <laughs> I'd be interested to go, and I think it'd be interesting. But yes, next week we're gonna have a therapist on the call. So the problem, I, I would love, I would love to have a professional, well-known, like someone who's, you know, got this thing down and been doing it for a long time. Would love to have someone on. I think it'd be very interesting. Do you know someone? I have, a, I have a friend who's a therapist. Be great. But I do too. I have plenty. They're all total messes of people. I don't know how they do what they do. <laughs> what do you mean they're messes? The the people I know who work in that industry the way that they portray their social life on the internet is like, holy shit, this person has no control over what they're doing. Like, why are they doing this? And that what worries me. So, I mean, I got two or three examples that come to mind. They post pictures of themselves doing the most ridiculous things, very unhealthy habits and supporting it. Like tons of drinking, tons of going out, tons of like, oh my God, I can't believe this happened. Just like things that the rest of us do. But if, if you are in that world, and you know that those things are probably causing problems. Why are you doing them yourself? I don't really understand. Okay. You gotta be careful here. We're overgeneralizing with a small population sample. It is because yeah. I don't want I don't want to call someone out. That's not cool. I don't want to do that. Wait, oh wait, are you saying because they're therapists they can't like go out and drink? No, no, I'm saying I, again, it's just tough because that I don't would want be to generalizing, call them out. Chelsea. <laughs> <laughs> that's just it sounds that's what it sounds like he's saying. Like they it have is. habits I'm, that aren't great i'm and way so they're not so they're interesting therapists no you're right i'm way off my game today what i was where i don't really know where i'm trying to go with it but it seems just to me from my perspective when i look at it i'm like the people i know that work in the industry look like they just don't have their lives together they do a whole bunch of ridiculous things that seem out of control i think that 
I think that it varies. And that, I think that on, I think that on social media, I look like I'm out of control sometimes when I'm not. So you, if you don't actually know, I think that the conversation topic is null and void. Sir. I mean, you, you got to think most of the people we see are young people around our age. Of course. Absolutely. College. If they're on social also, media. don't have kids. So they're, they're still living media. their best life. If they're on social media, they're young or they're an influencer, which is another big thing. So it doesn't really represent everything going on. But even if they do these things, even if they've had issues with drugs or alcohol or whatever else, wouldn't you rather have someone as a therapist that can actually associate with what you've gone through and can really be like, okay, it's not just a doc saying, I know this is difficult. I understand how hard this is. They could be like, yeah, I went through this when I was 20 and I got through it by doing these things that may not work for you, but let's work on what we can do together to help you get through it. Yeah. And no, that's a really, really good point, which I like is the relatability of it. The, this, the other side, it just, all right, not physical habits, but the things God damn it, anecdotes just suck for this kind of thing. But it's just like a lot of, someone will post something and be like, oh my God, why can't I get a boyfriend? Why don't people like this? Blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, dude, you work in an industry where, or like, why can't I get a girlfriend? Why don't girls like this? And it's, it's like whining and complaining in a public space. And you have to think that if you study emotions, you should have some idea of how to handle this. And that's probably the public space is probably not the best. I don't know. I don't, I, I fucking sell warehouses. What do I know? Maybe that person is just, like, like you can be, you can be a therapist and like not know how to act on social media. Those are kind of two different things. You're, yeah, what you're, you're describing right. just seems like somebody who's oversharing on the internet and doesn't care. Yeah. Um, which is frustrating, and I understand where you're coming from, but no. it is what it is. To pivot. Oversharing on social media, I find it hysterical. I love it when people do it. Oh, I do too. <laughs> it cracks me up. I love it. I love it when people like put their extremely out of pocket hot takes on their like Instagram story. And I'm like, oh, got it. Now I know exactly what kind of person you are. Yeah, like, I, so what always makes me laugh is looking at it and thinking, what went through your head before you pushed send? What made you think this was going to go well? It's just the people around them probably support them and yeah. like that's their behavior privately. So then like a line gets pushed where they like then decide that they can publicly have that type of, I guess, reaction or opinion or whatever. Because, um, you know, perspective is everything. So when you're in your own little bubble, you think you're fine. But do you think that's what happens other... with the celebrities? What do you mean? Like. I see, I feel like a lot of celebrities do things and we, we, we look at them and we say, oh, they're smart. They're doing that because they know it's going to generate views and attention, but some portion of it probably has to be what they actually feel like whenever they post very out of pocket stuff. I mean, the only things that really come to mind to me are like, like I'm thinking like Taylor Swift, she's like notoriously private. So when she does post, it's like super meticulous. It's usually like clues or hints to like her next album. And I do think that's smart. I think like her whole brand being like, like private. And then when she does post, there's like hidden messages in all of her things. Um, that's just good marketing. That's just smart. It's good marketing. So I do think that 
like what you're describing is like celebrities celebrities just knowing how to market themselves but there's always some truth to it like i'm sure like whatever they believe in bleeds through or the opposite we wouldn't know because it's social media um and it's impossible to tell who a person truly is based off their socials of course absolutely i guess i mean more on the political side whenever you see a famous person comes out and really takes a stand on some issue and they they confidently defend it even if it's like a widely disagreed with pretty universally hated take and you have to wonder like is it the people they're surrounded with probable that if they're that or that famous and they believe in it that they feel like they can make a change especially if it is something that a bunch of people don't agree on Famous people are relatively untouchable, so sure. they can come out and say their hot takes and find other people who agree with them or sway other people to agree with them because they're a figurehead or famous. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. That's just something I think about a lot. Like every t- So, I mean, like the, um, God, the, the Will Smith thing always comes to mind. I was like, he, like, the thing that he did whenever, I don't remember exactly what happened. Chris Rock said something, he like, walked up on stage and smacked the crap out of him. And I was like, that probably was a really stupid, like universal thing that you did. And I think you probably thought it was the right thing to do, but why, why, like what most normal people probably wouldn't have done that. I think he, it's just like one of those things. One, I think he's done it before that bit. Really? Um, yeah. Can you fact check me, Jamie? Um, two, I think the, the wider issue is I believe it was the Oscars. Also fact check me, Jamie. <laughs> but, putting you to work people are gonna get confused they're gonna be like who's jamie um we're not that but famous. i think the problem with that situation is he should have never done that at the oscars like the oscars is not the time or place to be slapping somebody on stage regardless of what he said about his wife um especially because will smith was the host that year i thought i don't remember but that's that's <laughs> yeah putting chelsea to work that's that's exactly where i was going is something like that I think most normal people, and I use the term normal loosely, would have looked at and said... Judgment. I think that was just poor judgment on Will Smith's part. Terrible judgment. He, he wanted to He wanted to be a... Hello, Jamie has one fact. Um, <laughs> Will Smith smacked some comedian on the red carpet for Men in Black 3. Nice. Great movie. So, didn't do it before. One fact check. Yeah. Done. <laughs> Dude's got a mean open hand, I'll tell you that. I don't know. I think celebrities sometimes obviously are pretty untouchable, so they just make really poor decisions and expect to no know repercussions. And then when there is like a crazy repercussion, people are like, How did you not see that coming? Yeah. The concept but, of celebrity just freaks me out. Like the more yes, Chelsea. Oh, did you ask if Chris Rock was the host of the Oscars. I thought Will Smith was hosting the Oscars. No, it was Chris Rock. He was the one that was hosting. Oh, he got up and slapped the host of the Oscars? Yes. That's what it is. So the Oscar host usually does like little bits and I think he did a bit on his wife. Yeah, he made a T.I. Jane joke about his wife being. Well, I think he just touched a real difficult point with Will Smith just because him and his wife had been having all that stuff going on where like, she had cheated on him with other, I think it was a music artist or something like yeah. that. And so, like, their relationship has been really rocky, and he kind of, like, touched on a few different things. And so I think that just made him pop off just 
stress elsewhere in his life that bubbled up in a certain scenario. So I have a take I think you're all going to hate universally. What's new? <laughs> I think... I think when you become a celebrity and you continue over a long enough period of time, and I'm making that statement for a purpose, over a long enough period of time, continue to put yourself in the public eye, you you forfeit some amount of your ability to complain about people talking about you. What do you mean? So, say, and I made, I made the, the middle statement on purpose because I think if you're a normal dude who ends up making a really funny video and becomes viral and all of a sudden people are yelling at you within a week of you doing this, you are not accustomed to dealing with that much attention and you definitely get some sort of allowance for it. But if you've been famous and you've been acting and you've been in Hollywood and politics for 10 to 15 years, you've been around the block a hundred times and someone makes a joke about you or says something about you, you should probably be pretty mature enough with your situation to just shrug it off and be like, dude, I don't really care. I'm comfortable with who I am. Right? Or them backstage. Right. Or like, have the conversation in private. Punch him then. Not in front of a live television audience. Or if you're a UFC fighter, challenge him to the ring. <laughs> I'd argue okay, there's all. no reason to get paid as much as they do because there's plenty of people that can act as good as many of the actors that are out there. Sure. Albeit there are some actors that are very, only they can do it, but they get paid as much as they can because they can market themselves as well as they do. They don't get in these altercations. They don't say any, they don't have any harmful past or Facebook posts or whatever else that's really putting them in a bad light in any way, shape or form. And that's why they get paid that much because they can be confidently hired by anybody to do what they need to. Now yeah. you do these things and they don't get paid, they don't get stuff because they no longer, they're still just as good an actor, but now they're problematic and they can't be marketed the same way they were before. Hashtag Kanye West. Yeah, hashtag actually, I'm not gonna get political, but. Go for it. I was gonna say that's why I think a lot of people didn't take Donald Trump seriously because he was a reality TV star first. And I, I that's embarrassing. That. I don't care who you are. Yeah. Uh, we try to avoid the politics, but I, I don't disagree with that take. I think it kind of makes sense. Simply because... Go ahead. Kanye West has a mental illness. So I don't know if he... Like a... Yeah, I don't know if he's a good example here. Um, but, you know. It's like Pete Davidson said. Kanye, take your pills. Yeah. It's fun and interesting to watch interviews with him because you can kind of see the way his brain works, which is just like a rapid fire rattle of ideas. Like it just goes and goes and goes and goes and goes. And it's like, it's like he thinks through his ideas in the moment, which is really dangerous when you have a camera with 3 million people watching you. There's no filter. Yeah, it just goes. Like it's just in like within that, giant ramble of statements there's probably some pretty interesting deep things and there's probably a lot of junk which is pretty characteristic of multiple different psychiatric disorders right and you'll find that a lot of artists whether they be music or tv stars or whatever else have some sort of psychiatric disorder or another because what makes them good at their job 
is some of the specific characteristics about that disorder. That's an interesting take. I like that actually. So there's an old saying, it's like all genius has some kind of madness attached or like all madness has some genius inside of it. One of those two types of things. And it makes me think of a lot of the old rock bands in the late 1900s there's a lot of drugs involved and a lot of problems. And if you look at them, you look through the history, you say, man, those people came up with some really, really, really cool stuff, but only when they were abusing substances and having issues in their lives. They're not nearly as interesting when they're healthy, which is sad. Do you just refer to the 70s through 90s as the late 1900s? To, yeah, that's, that's what it is. That. Why not? That was that horrible. Is, that was a terrible time. Take. But that's exactly what it is, isn't it? It is, but no, stop. Just because right. you hate it doesn't make it wrong. Does that mean I was born in the late 1900s? Mm -hmm. You're born at the turn of the century. Wow, that's ancient. Yeah, let's stop using history books to describe our birth years. 1997. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Well, what do we call the, what do we call the 2000 to 2010 era? I don't know, actually. I've never had a good term for it. Usually it's 2000s, and then like the 2010s, yeah, now we're in the 2020s. If we're okay with that, I'm okay with that, because that's not that bad. Like, no one knew what to do but, with it when it was like 2017. Everyone was like, what the fuck do we call this? But if you would have just now said 70s, 80s, and 90s, I would have, like, there's no other way you would have meant anything other than 1980s, 1970s, 1990s. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Cause, well, because now the... Yeah, now the 10s and the 20s are different. Yeah. I wonder how long, and Matt, help me out here. I wonder how long humans are going to live around the year three, uh, not 3,000, like 20, 22nd century. So like, a, like 100 years from now. Mm, uh, I don't, it becomes increasingly problematic the longer we live. Sure. And, and the reason I say this is because the longer we live at least the current trend is we're having kids later. The longer we live, the more cell turnover we have. The more cell turnover we have, the more chances for replicative errors that we have. The more errors we have, the more chances of cancers and diseases. And that if we have those prior to having children, then they're passed down. Now, when you get older, let's say you didn't have it from birth, but the longer we live again, more cell turnover, more chances for error, more cancers, more diseases, so on and so forth. And that's why we kind of haven't gotten all that much extended life period um, that we thought we would with all the technological advances that we've had is because even though we're living older, we're having much more chronic disease. Things that are going on and are just kind of keeping us stuck at this point. It's, it's just the people that live to be 90 or 100 or whatever else, they're extremely lucky individuals. Do we end up... Sorry, go ahead, Chelsea. I just have a question. So, like, when I went to uh, Boston, we went to one of the cemeteries, and I noticed that people in, like, the 1800s, um, they were living pretty long. Like, 70-year-olds and 80-year-olds were, like, in the cemetery. So I was kind of shocked about that. Probably also got to think that in the 17 and 1800s, if you had enough money to be in a cemetery with a headstone, you probably were of a wealthier class and had more access to medicine. Well, 
I think we just all have a little bit more access to medicine now than they did back then. Right. So we don't get killed by like the really acute diseases, like the like we don't get killed by the flu as much and all that type of stuff. Like we survived that. It's the long term things. It's cancer. It's COPD. It's Alzheimer's, dementia, whatever else that ends up going after us because we live longer and those have a chance to get us. And it happens that right around the end of our 80s is when they kick in that like that's when it really gets us to kick in before. Sorry. So do we find ways around that? Do we like, is there a way? Uh, Alzheimer's dementia wise and we don't know currently there's a lot specifically brain disease wise that we don't know it's it's a it's still kind of the final frontier of medicine in a sense there's so much that we don't know we're finding out that the things that cause Alzheimer's dementia get deposited in your brain early on like 30s they start depositing then and there's, there's no effect there's no way to test for it you really can't know and it's not until it builds up enough that it really starts causing these issues. That's why they've kind of called it diabetes type three um, before, um, but we just don't know enough. We're still learning so much about the brain and some of these things because the sample the sample size that we have to explore these diseases because they're all elderly patients, it's very small and they're if they're dying off, obviously we can't really get any data from it because if they die off, they're dropped out of the study. That does make sense. I know that's one of the big ones. Alzheimer's is just a terrible, horrible disease, but it it feels like for as long as I've been alive, it's always been like we're right around the corner from figuring something out. But I, I've been here for a quarter century, 25 years, and nothing's really changed, I don't think, has it? There's a lot that's changed. We have a lot more insight, but neurologically, we have a whole lot of theories on why things occur we also know that certain medications if we're put on them that it decreases the symptoms and people are better we do have treatments for alzheimer's uh, they're called acetylcholinesterase inhibitors they basically uh, inhibit the uh, breakdown of acetylcholine it's a chemical in your brain it's just another hormone um, and that improves people's cognition it slows their decline so that's very good but a lot of our different psychiatric medications or neurologic medications, they operate on theories that we know this works. It makes people better. They probably discovered it uh, coincidentally. It was given for something else and their Alzheimer's gotten better. I'm not exactly sure on this specifically. It's kind of like how we found out that a blood pressure medication works great for male erections. I, I was um, about to bring that one up. Right. So there's a lot of that. We have a lot of theories, but we don't have as much concrete evidence and explanations of why this occurs. But if you look at like the kidneys, we can explain that, okay, this specific diuretic works because it dips one specific pump in this part of the kidney that transports sodium and potassium back and forth. We don't have that for the brain. Yeah, it feels like that's the one thing that we just don't have figured out. And I don't talk to a lot of doctors, so I don't really know. But everything I read everyone seems to agree that we just don't understand how the brain works. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Being on a psych rotation right now, I really didn't think I would like it. And it didn't really seem like my thing. I always thought of psych doctors as those old richy rich people in the houndstooth tweed jacket that sat in a chair and listened to people talk about their life problems. And I was like, that's terrible. But being in like an inpatient facility where like I work with patients that are acutely psychotic or detoxing or whatever else, you see a whole different perspective of it and it's really really interesting and like 
you get a lot of exposure to things that are kind of new and cutting edge in the field. I just learned that the Arabs basically pioneered the field of psychiatry long time ago, very, very, very long time ago, but they were like the first civilization to really try and sit down and figure out everything about a patient and then design a treatment and around everything in their life and just say, Hey, look, we, we need to get to the actual root of what's going on here and not just treat it according to the four humors, I guess, as it used to be called. Is that, is that right? It was like the yellow, black, red, and something else. I know what road you're going down. I think you're right. I can't really speak on it. I'm not as familiar. Well, it's okay. I, someone will someone will hear it and understand it and look it up. There was they used to have like the four humors. It was like yellow bile, black bile, pus, and blood, and something like that. And so they try to treat everything according to that. And the strange thing is that it wasn't that long ago when we realized how crazy that was. It was only like a couple hundred years, but the um, it's it's interesting how new that field is and that's something i learned pretty recently it just hasn't been around that long yeah there's a lot of medical fields that you realize they're a lot younger like emergency physicians really only became big in the 70s really like you can't imagine not can't. having an emergency physician to talk to like when you break an arm but if they were staffed by other doctors you could go to an ER and that type of thing, but it was filled by people in other specialties, not someone who specialized in dealing with acute diseases and uh, fractures and whatever else. So, this might be a dumb question, but do you get to like pick what kind of doctor you want to be, or do you already know? So, you kind of get a pick. So, the first year is medical school, you're just reading books, going to classes, and that type of thing. Second two years, uh, you're out on clinical rotations. I spent a month at a time doing a different rotation. And I'm at the end of my third year right now. And so, my current thing that I have to do is I have to sign up for audition rotations. This means that I go away to a hospital that's not affiliated with my school, and I spend a month working with them. And it's basically my, it's like a month-long interview process, essentially. And then next year in the fall, I submit an application to all the different programs I want to apply to. It starts at the end of September, and I say, okay, I'm, I've decided that I want to be in psych or emergency medicine or internal medicine, whatever it may be. And so I apply to anywhere from 50 to 100 programs typically. It's a lot. But I apply to all of them, and then later on, I think it's October, November, they start sending out invites for interviews. You go on however many interviews you get. You're lucky if you get 15, I think, is a really, really good number. I think five is, makes most people happy. But so you kind of get these, and then all the programs rank all the students. The students rank all the programs, and it gets plugged into an algorithm that spits it out. And so you kind of get to choose. You interview at all these programs and that type of thing to pick your specialty, but nothing is guaranteed, which is kind of weird. I mean, after spending as much money and as long a time, you don't really get it go out and just finish my degree and then go apply for an emergency medicine job in a facility. Obviously, we got more training and the residencies are really selective in who they want. Um, so it really depends on the field. There's lots of people that want to do really uh, specific specialties like orthopedic surgery, the guys that work with bones, replace knees and hips and that type of stuff. It's a very bro specialty, oddly enough. All the like jocks of medicine go into that. All the kids that used to be on like college football teams and that type of stuff. And use a lot of hammers and saws. It's a it's a toxic masculinity field, um, but it's really hard to get into. You have to be at the top ten percent or more of the class. 
So oh. if I, I, so I could not get into that if I wanted to. It, it's just the they use test scores that you take, and that's basically the first cutoff for the, who they decide to select an interview. And so if you're not scoring in the top 10%, you're not getting an interview. You could be the best student everywhere else around. Amazing on the rotation, everything else. But if you don't got the scores, it's not going to happen. Damn. That's kind of unfair, I guess. But I get it. Yeah. So it, it is what it is. I mean, other specialties are much easier to get into. I mean, typically, internal medicine, pediatrics are a good bit easier to get into. Family medicine. Um EM got really easy this year, emergency medicine. They had 500 spots that initially went unfilled, which is unheard of. Uh, they later did fill pretty much all of them because they have a secondary application because all the students that didn't get put in a program, after you do that whole algorithm, it spits everything out. A certain amount of programs don't have spots that get filled. A certain amount of students don't get a spot. And for the next three days, they go through the most chaotic process where they're applying to all these different places and doing interviews, and then they hopefully get one. <laughs> Otherwise, your chance of becoming the doctor just got cut in half from whatever it was. So it's weird. Um, but so the, those are easier to get into, but generally there's a reason for it. Uh, they're either harder jobs, the hours are much shittier. The jobs that have the best work-life balance are some of the hardest to get into, like dermatology, uh, ENT, ophthalmology. Those are all very hard. They're not specifically difficult fields to be in, not that any field in medicine is easy. But because they work like a nine to five and they have good work-life balance like the rest of the world, uh, people really want to go into them. And so there's a lot of demand for it, not enough supply of positions to go to. Yeah. Do you think that's why there was such like a overlap and you were saying emergency? So emergency, a lot of people, there's been a, since 2021, I'm sorry, I've looked at all the data, I'm kind of nerding out. But anyways, since 2021, they kind of put out a report that said there's going to be a overstock of emergency positions and not enough jobs and so students have been rapidly decreasing going in the field um also the amount of pay that they get is being cut the jobs that are there are being picked up by private equity instead of physician groups so it's run by someone with an mba instead of someone who has a md or a do degree and we tend to not like when people with mbas decide to make how we do or make make decisions for how we practice medicine doesn't go very well. Um, MBAs have a wonderful place in the world and they do their thing and that's great, but they need to get the hell out of the medical field. Um, but so there's a lot of issues with it. Um, a lot of the docs are also really burnt out. They went through COVID. They were the ones that really got hit the worst in the ERs. They worked more hours for less money. Quite generally, they took pay cuts because hospitals said we can't pay you as much as we have to because we have to put money elsewhere for all the PPE and all that type of stuff, uh, which is a lie. The hospitals made more money than ever during the pandemic. Uh, I was gonna the, say. Private, the private equity groups made sure of that. Um, so it, there's a lot, it's a multifactorial reason of why there's a lot of applicant drop, but the, the, there's no good solution for it right now. Right. It always cracks Sorry. me up when people put MBA in their title. <laughs> Matt, you know what I'm talking yeah. about. I know. I've seen him on Twitter. Twitter, okay. LinkedIn, everywhere. I just it's like they put it in like um like it's like a like a doctor thing. Like at the end of it, yeah. like a like a designation almost. But even the doctors that do it that are cringy because we can get all sorts of certifications, we can be part of different societies, and so you've got like 
your doctor that's such and such MD or DO slash AAEM slash FACPS slash blah, 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 blah. And they got like 12 different things. Nurses do the same thing. I'm like, okay, that's unnecessary. I get you worked hard to do whatever this is. MBA, same thing. But even the doctors or nurses, like those extra certifications, they have a diminishing value. They have a diminishing amount of work put into them. Most bachelor's, or not bachelor's, but master's degrees, there's a lot of them you can do online and they require not as much work as I thought, like at all. I always thought it was kind of like a prestigious thing. And then now that I've like had experience with people that get them, I'm like, okay, there's a vast difference between the work that's put in for a master's and a PhD. Yeah. And like, I get it if you went to like Fort or Harvard or Yale to get like your master's or something, dude. Go ahead and put it on there. You paid a ridiculous amount of money. I was well stick it somewhere in your title. But like, if you went to University of Phoenix and got your master's in business administration, I'm sorry, but I don't think it's the time to put in your title. It's like a weird kind of virtue signaling. You, you, you put in like eight hours a, a week in work for two years. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, either way, I just... I just wish we'd get over it. I think, I mean, it's it's like a very old-fashioned way of doing things. Like, look at me, I did this, therefore you have to take me seriously. Instead of, hi, I'm just going to show you that I'm proficient in what I'm doing, and you can make your own assessment. I trust that you're smart enough to make your own judgment of me. I think it's a very fair assessment. I think a lot of people rely too much on certifications and testing to determine their knowledge and ability to practice in a field. Now there is, you should be able to meet the basic standards. And that's why we have these things to determine if people can do stuff, whether you're a financial advisor or a doctor or whatever else, it's very important that they meet minimum standards. But I think there's a lot of self-taught people in a lot of different fields in the world that do a lot better than some of these people that have all the different titles after them. I think standards and designations are good for learning regulations because I've passed all the serious exams. They weren't fun, they weren't easy, but you could, anyone, any, anyone could do it with enough time and enough effort, enough desire. It's doable. It's just a lot of memorization and learning how things interact and remembering a bunch of laws. So it doesn't make me qualified to do any of these things. In fact, I've forgotten most of what it took to do it. So doesn't make me qualified and it's kind of funny how people hang on to these things but who I am i the vast to judge majority of these certifications don't apply to what you actually do in real life too agreed college doesn't apply to your job a lot of what i will learn in medical school will not apply to the specialty you practice in uh, the test you took for uh becoming a financial advisor right yes the series, the series licenses exams. yeah a lot of that doesn't apply to actually financially advising people agreed and I think some of the best people in the world or whatever their job is probably don't have these things like Warren Buffett, the C uh, CFA. Mm -hmm. Probably. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> but I'm just saying some of these people that made vast riches off just investing. Yeah. Do yeah. you think they started off by taking their serious exams or do you think they created a knowledge base elsewhere and that's what made them that their job? That's a tough question. I think I think the most successful people in the world don't care. They see these things as obstacles and they don't see them as the path itself. They say, all right, this is in the way of me getting access to the people and the resources I need. I'm just going to get it done because I have to get it done or find a workaround. 
And so I've never met Warren Buffett. I don't know. And I know he's like 90-something now at this point, but apparently the man's still sharp as a tack. But fellas like that who just sort of understand how things interact with each other, they don't they don't really need that sort of thing. And you can you can usually tell. Like there's I've met a few of them in my life, and they're all doing really well. Just a few people that have something to them where you're like, ooh, whatever you do, I want to follow you because I can tell you kind of know what you're doing. And if you just pay attention to them, you're like, they, they just, they're just like the natural leader thing. Like they just get the following because they're confident. They understand. They see the vision. It's really hard to come by. And it's not the people following the Marcus Aurelius accounts on Twitter. Correct. No, it is, it is definitely not. No. They crack me up. I love tracking where the carnivore bros are. Oh my gosh. It's my weird addiction. I just, I love seeing what they're talking about. That is. That is what? Is there a female equivalent of this? There's plenty. No, there's plenty of female carnivore bros. Absolutely. I, I don't know what it is, so I couldn't tell you if there was a female equivalent. I've seen a bunch. <laughs> they're fun too. <laughs> It's funny because, like, the deeper you get into it, the more the algorithm knows to advertise to you, like, weirder and weirder takes. And so you're just going to keep seeing, like, worse stuff. It's kind of crazy. I, so the problem is I accept that there's a, there's a portion of what they're saying that makes a lot of sense, which is, like, you need to avoid – you need to, like, exercise, eat healthy, do these things, take care of yourself, be responsible. And then they, they loop you in with that statement because that's a good statement. Silver, what what do you have to say? Me and Chelsea sometimes have our own private conversation. That's okay. Sorry. That's okay. All right. Let me let it's me finish fun. before you roast me. Let me finish before you roast me. So there's a portion of what they're saying that makes a lot of really good sense, and they loop people in with that, and then it just gets crazier from there. But because you've already bought into that first initial easy to bite statement it makes it a little bit easier to sell you on the next crazy statement. And then all of a sudden the crazier statement comes and you're like, well, well maybe they're right about that too. They were right about the first thing, but the first thing was so general that it doesn't matter. So then you just, what is it? I get what he's saying now. Okay. I was a little lost, but I'm back. What's the, what's the term? I'm trying to remember what it is, but like, yeah, basically you make an overgeneralized statement. And then you progressively build upon it into degeneracy, essentially. Yeah, it's protein is good and for you. Protein, sunlight, and exercise are good for you. I agree 100%. They are good for you. I challenge anyone who disagrees with that. But then you get to like, you just you just keep going down the line. And then all of a sudden, it's like I told you, one of them was like, one of them was like the best, like the biggest dream on the planet. I, I hate to alienate myself from a society here because I know they're all going to hate me if I say this. But one of them was like, you like the dream is to go start a farm and live fully subsistently and like make cheese out of your wife's breast milk like the most absurd crazy statement you just start getting weirder and weirder and you're like where does this end like at, at what point do we realize what you're saying is nuts or is it nuts yeah, but, but, but the series is kind of like what you said it's like protein is good for you it's right it's healthy it easy sell your bone strength yep drywall is 55 percent protein therefore based off this argument drywall is good for you therefore you should eat drywall that's how that argument works. Yeah, something like that. It goes further and further into stupidity, but it's based off an overgeneralization with fake statements afterwards that are false. So 
there's a reason I like these people because they are such a good lesson in sales and how you how you form these arguments because a lot of them have this weird crusade against vegetables which is interesting and they've got all these reasons why vegetables are bad for you and in my opinion vitamins are good for you you need a balanced diet that has a little bit of everything and then you need to exercise and get sun and have human interaction that's all i know i'm not a doctor and those things work for me i've identified they work for me fight me if you disagree so <laughs> then they get to the vegetable thing where they're like vegetables are bad for you they have all these things in them that are trying to fight you and kill you and i'm like wait a minute i gotta tell you i feel real good if i eat a balanced diet of protein a little bit of dairy some vegetables some fruit and then I exercise and get sunlight. I'm not going to cut vegetables out. That's weird. Vegetables have vitamins. Leafy greens are good for you. I know that. Right? Am I wrong? Am I crazy? Vegetables do have a lot of vitamins that you can't necessarily get elsewhere in the amount of, in the quantities that they have within them. And you will have dietary vitamin deficiencies if you don't eat vegetables. Great. So what's the beef? What's their beef with vegetables? Like, is it just the... We should have we should have someone on who can talk more about this, and I have someone in mind, Mister. Oh I was about to I was about to roast these vegetable people, and I guess I'll hold off. Well, I see nothing wrong with bringing someone on to have a conversation because I'm happy to just ask questions and listen. Are you saying you have a vegetable person? No, no, no. I have a carnivore person. Can we bring on a vegetable person at the same time? Well, not at the same time, but maybe separate, one after the other. Okay. Wait, I think so it'd be interesting, do... though, to have a vegetarian and a carnivore talk at the same time. It would be. I'd be curious. Do carnivore people not eat veggies? I think a lot of them. The message I see from a lot of these communities is that vegetables are, vegetables are billed as a superfood and are not actually as good for you as advertising makes it out to be. That, and I could be doing it wrong, but that seems to be the message. And their counterpoint and counter message is you can get pretty much all the vitamins, minerals you need for a healthy existence from red meat, lean protein, eggs, stuff like that. And I don't I think the truth is probably somewhere in between the vegan perspective and their perspective. I think they're both wrong and it all falls down to just have a balanced diet and live a healthy life. Big broccoli is out to spread disinformation. Yeah. Yeah. The, the ever decreasing level of farmers in America, big, big little farming is out to get you. <laughs> Cause you know, they have so much money for marketing and they also understand the internet well enough to do that. Yeah, those poor people. They're trying so hard. Either way, I think it would be really fun to get a hardcore vegan on at some point because I just disagree so hard with that lifestyle and then a hardcore carnivore on because I also very much disagree with that lifestyle. I get vegans, though. It's an ideological thing. Yeah. They don't like it because they feel like it's harmful with the animals. But vegetarians that do it for the purpose, they... I don't know if this is much an ideological thing, or they, they, I think they feel it's healthier to not eat meat and just get their protein from plant sources in a lot of cases. And that's where I kind of take some issue. But if it's an ideological thing, it, it, to each is their own, like whatever you want to do, as long as you're getting it from other sources and happy and healthy. I guess. I think the vegans are silly, absolutely silly, but it is what it oh. is funny about veganism is after my dad had his heart attack in high school um we were 
he tried a lot of different diets because like obviously he needed to lose weight sure we were on and like we did it as a family because like obviously we ate meals together when you live under the same roof whatever um and my like diet wise like we couldn't keep like snacks in the house because like no self-control right so like i was on atkins for a while <laughs> um but like my mom made sure we got like we're growing kids you know what i mean but um we were vegan for a while and i actually didn't hate it what is that yeah. it's pretty fun probably the best i felt like in like uh like eating healthy sense like out of all the other things we tried being vegan was probably the best I felt that and going oil, oil and like butter free. It was like all oils and fats free. Um, well, the oil makes sense. Your body can't really process it. Worse. The food was gross when we were cooking that way, but sure. Um, what is that kids real quick? Um, it's like a control micro. I can't remember. It's low carb. You can have more than like 35 carbs in a day, which is like one slice of bread of Jeez. like normal bread. Yeah, it was a lot of it was a lot of broccoli, a lot of broccoli. That sounds like a low energy to me. Whole vegetables, <laughs> meat, no process like wheat products at all, essentially. But you do kind of get like a counterbalance. If you have fiber, it counts against whatever carbs you have. So you, if you had thirty grams of fiber, you could technically have sixty grams of carbs. Huh. Um, <laughs> because my dad did it for a while, but it, it's. It's a decent diet. A lot of people have had success with it. They're finding that there's some correlation between it and some other disease processes. So, but they correlation, not necessarily causation, obviously. Yeah. You mean correlation between getting a disease and the diet or getting out of it? Yeah. So one of the things that's occurred and it happened to my dad and it happened to a couple of other people that we talked to, and we've also looked it up a little bit is uh, aortic dissection, which is basically your aorta, the big tube artery that goes from your heart down to your legs and it has all the blood vessels that come off it to everywhere. Um, you can have a tear in some of the layers. And so it kind of creates a bubble within itself. It fills up with blood and you can, rapidly lose blood from your system as it goes into this bubble um the bubble can tear and go into your body you have like an aneurysm rupture type thing at that point um but there's an increased amount of people that have this occur to them after going on the atkins diet now we there's a correlation here but we don't know if it's because well people that are going on this diet had all these other risk factors that were occurring they were overweight high cholesterol whatever else hypertension sure. blah 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 and then they went on the diet and then they got the aortic dissection as a result of the original things or if it had something to do with the diet. They haven't really concluded yet from my understanding. Hmm. Interesting. I mean, I like steak. That's all I know. Steak's really good. But I don't eat red meat anymore. So. It definitely slows you down. It feels like it slows you down. It feels like I get energy the day after, but it just knocks me out. I, I only eat ground turkey. I, I this is the first week in forever that I've had red meat and it's because Erica brought it in the house because she insisted on having meals with it. Well, the problem is like the super lean red meat's just kind of not good. <laughs> it's like the really fatty, oily red meat that tastes good. Did you feel gross after eating it? Oh, absolutely. The next morning I always feel awesome, but the whole night after, if I eat a steak or a burger, I'm kind of like, blah, I want to go to bed. No, I meant Matt because he doesn't eat red meat. Then oh. he ate it today for the first time in a while. My bad. Um, I haven't necessarily felt 
any different uh, when I've had it for past, I think we have one more meal this week with it. Now the day we had it, it didn't really feel any worse. Um, I definitely don't get enough iron in my diet. I learned that. <laughs> so I've had to supplement that because I don't have red meat as much, but. Spinach and peanut butter. Oh, I do eat a lot of peanut butter occasionally. I go through Pine a hyper. I go through like a food hyperfixation. I don't know if y'all do that too, but I can go through a period for like two weeks or eat a lot of something. Like I'll go through two of the Costco sized jars of peanut butter with apples in a week. And then the next month you'll be like, I never want that again. Oh yeah, I can't even touch them. Make me gag if I put peanut butter in my mouth the next month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel that. I. My like guilty pleasure is peanut butter with Oreos. Um, have you guys seen the parrot trap? Uh, but I ate way too many in college. Like it was like my, I ate it to make me feel better. And so I just couldn't for years. And now I like, I'm so like stingy now that I want them again. I'm like, I'm only going to have three instead of an entire sleeve of Oreos with peanut butter. It's like your new favorite song. You don't want to listen to it too much because you know you're going to hate it. But all you want to do is listen to it. Yeah. <laughs> I've done that so many times and like you know what you're doing you know you're in the middle of it you're like stop stop but you just can't I'm binging and I can't control yeah just can't do it binge listening Chelsea's awful quiet she is what are your what are your thoughts on everything what are you what are you thinking about right now Jamie Jamie I'm thinking about my diet and I'm like mine's all over the place I'm not so like I don't eat I don't eat sugar at all. That's a great The only thing. sugar I really ever get is from like my wine and that's like a treat myself. Mm-hmm. But I don't eat sugar and I don't eat red meat. At least not very often. Like if I eat red meat, again it's gonna treat myself like I went to a steakhouse restaurant and that makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um so, so I take iron pills and I also take potassium pills. And I also take women's vitamins. Because like I don't I don't eat meat really. Yeah. My boss thinks I'm a vegetarian. I have to fight with him every time we go out because I'm like, I'm not a vegetarian. He's like, Yes, you are. And I'm like, No, I don't order meat. Yeah. But I I like it a lot. When I eat meat, I get very sluggish. And I'm just like, I don't. I get very sleepy. Doesn't do much for me. Same. Like I don't I don't feel good afterwards. Um. Even like, like I haven't had red meat in like years, like probably like a decade, but like chicken and fish, like even them sometimes, like it just doesn't sit well sometimes for me. My favorite is chicken. That's usually the one I'll eat. I love a salmon. I will sacrifice oh, everything for a fried chicken it's sandwich. Salmon, it's so good. I think maybe we're all hungry. I am slightly bit. hungry. <laughs> well, I think our country doesn't allow for like, the por- portion after we have lunch or breakfast where you have that mm-hmm. digestive period and you're kind of sluggish and slow, like you go over to Europe and they have siestas and whatever else. And so you get an hour to take a nap or go home or whatever, and then come back and be productive. We don't have that here and it's very frowned upon to be non-productive. Like I don't eat breakfast or lunch most days unless it's like provided to me for free. And then I'm like, okay, I can't turn down free food. Yeah. but. I don't, and then I come home and I snack, and then I have a huge dinner, but I won't eat breakfast but, or lunch like at all. But is that because of your schedule or because you're not hungry? I'm not really hungry, and part of it's my schedule because I also like want to keep up and not be slowed down. I gotta have my brain to, like 
not foggy just by eating a ton of something. Right. So it, it's kind of a mix, at least for me. Because I've noticed that, like, in office, I I eat more than I do working from home. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, well, I've actually noticed the opposite. Uh, in office, like, I won't get up from my chair and make lunch. Like, I, will, I, I won't take lunch. I'll just work through, and then the day's over. And then I'll end up coming home and eating a big meal like Matt was talking about. But when I work from home, I can, like, take breaks and go actually cook myself a meal. And then I end up having, like, three meals a day. I worked from home today, and I had two meals today, which is crazy for me. And I'm going to go have dinner, which is pretty cool. I love being at work and lunch. the structure of everything. At work, you don't, you can't take a break early, start making a meal, do whatever else. You feel like you have a little bit more time. So at work, you're a little bit more restricted, so you don't eat as much. But at home, you feel a little bit more free. You got that extra time to do that. That's not necessarily frowned upon. Yeah. That shouldn't be. I, I like that when you work from home, you don't have to like, pretend to work at your desk when you have nothing to do. Oh, you have nothing to do sometimes? We So the way that my company works is the first week of the month, I can't breathe. The second week, I'm waiting for everything from the first week to be reviewed. And then the third and fourth week, I can't breathe again. So <laughs> the second week is my travel week usually. So that's when I'm just like, I have a lot of free time when I travel because I really only work half days. Right. Um, definitely same system for me. Beginning of the month is really difficult. End of the month is really difficult. It's that like middle where I'm like kind of getting everything ready. Um, but I don't know, man. I'm crazy busy. I wish. I wish. Yeah, but you work for an agency. Different. I know it's different. My private company, I can be six months ahead right now. Well, it wasn't. I wish I could get six months ahead. <laughs> that would never be possible. I, there was a time where it was like slower. Um, like when I first got hired, like I definitely felt like things were like, like it was like already in motion. Like everything was like clockwork, but then like, I don't know, man, something's changed in the past year. My boss is like, we just step up our game and we've hired three new people and I don't know. I can just tell, I mean, we're just beefing up and we're getting new business, which is great. We're doing crazy shit. Like we're going to Vegas for a trade show. Um, Are you going to Vegas? I'm going to Vegas. It's going to be fun. <laughs> of course, I made that list. <laughs> if you survive, I'm curious to hear the stories. Oh, if it was anything like Nashville last year, I will have stories. You Story. Nashville for I the company? Them, yeah. Is your company, like, young? Like, um, the people that work there? So there's five of us, and my boss is, like, I would say in, like, her 60s. And then I'm the oldest. So, yes. Oh, wow. That must yeah. be so nice. Yeah. <laughs> so I used to not be the oldest. We did have a, a girl who worked for us who was, like, 28, 29, but she had a baby and quit, uh, which, whatever. But okay. now I'm the oldest, and I feel like... I mean, I'm only 20 fucking four. <laughs> and I'm How the many youngest? Uh, there's a 22-year-old. Wow. And then there's a 23-year-old and, a, and a tw another 23-year-old. So. Are a lot of people so getting into marketing? Yeah, I'm the youngest, and then everyone's like 50 and up. I wish. I prefer it that way. What, John? Are a lot of like, younger people getting into marketing straight out of college? 
yeah, it's easier to train them that way. I'm not even going to lie to you. Um, Unlearn done. bad habits. You don't have to. Uh, it's uh, like, I can just tell when you've like done, you've had social media page management training already and you've managed a page. Um, and when you've just like thought you knew how to do it. Do you know what I'm saying? Sure. Like everyone thinks they know how to run social media pages, but if you have no like training, you say the wrong thing, you sound dumb, it, it like blows the whole thing up. Cause marketing is so un like, obviously I can like tell you what your numbers are, but sometimes I do feel like I'm like convincing people that what we're doing is working. And if you don't have that foundation of like why it works and what we're doing, then it, the whole thing falls apart. Um, and if you're taught bad habits, you know what I mean? Or if you think you know what you're doing and it's incorrect, it could be hard to, I don't know. It could be hard. Makes sense. Transition. Makes sense. Yeah, it's an industry I just yeah. work in. I do think it's younger. I also, I work with, I mean, some of our clients have like brand managers and they're on the young, younger side. Um, and then like, obviously the owners are ancient people. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, some of them are not that old, sorry. <laughs> but um, when this is public. We went to the, <laughs> <laughs> when we went to the Nashville show last year, I got to like meet some of them. So that was really cool. Um, and like some of the younger ones were like really cool. So we got to like, I guess, party in Nashville. Um, so we're going to do that again this year, obviously, probably party. I don't know. It's good networking for me to get out there. I definitely think we secured a couple clients because I was woo, on a bender. <laughs> You're hard to not have fun with. I'll tell you that. Yeah. It's very, and then they like me and, and then I leave a lasting impression and then they feel more comfortable with me when I'm their account manager and it just worked out really well. Yeah, that makes sense. I got, I guess, I know we're running up against time, but I, I got the best cold email of my life the other day, which I loved. And I ended up like meeting with the folks. It was awesome. It was for, they want to do a marketing project for one of our developments and organically everything just kind of worked out. But so, I mean, they sent me a, like a really nice email it was about like, hey, like we just completed this project. The project that you guys have has a lot of parallels. And like, here's why. Like, here's a here's a very customized video that we're going to talk about you and your project, everything about it. And also, if you give us 15 minutes, we'll give you 100 bucks. And I was like, you've sold me in three ways. I'm all for it. And it was a relevant project. <laughs> they bribed me. And it was personal. And it added value. It was something we needed for the project and development. It was really good. Like, I just loved it. I was like, this is exactly what we needed. Company's called Walk, Walk Through It. Um, I'm happy to give them free advertising here. They do marketing and virtual design for commercial real estate developments. It was very, very, very impressive. They're great folks based out of Toronto. And I was just blown away. I was like, this is good. This is how things should work. Huh. Good for them. Yeah. Good for them. I agree. But I know we're all getting hungry, so... Shall we wrap up? Yeah. Perfect. The role of the story is John Cole leaves a mental illness and he goes to a therapist. And people are making up lies about me. <laughs> All right. It's been fun. I love y'all. See ya. Good night. Bye. Bye.